This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit bbqguru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at tastylicksbbq.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by Green Mountain Grills. Discover something you'll really, really love, grilling with pellets. Green Mountain Pellet Grills are the top of the line, best of the best, but not the highest in price. And be sure to check out all of their flavor rubs, sauces, and pellets for the Green Mountain Grill all on their website. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com to peruse the entire product's portfolio. And buy Barbecuer's Delight Wood Pellets. Two-thirds oak, one-third flavor wood, giving you that perfect combination of BTU burn and sweet, succulent smoke you're looking to get all over your meat. A wide variety of flavors, so please go to the website to check it out and get yours today. Barbecuer's Delight, which is bbqrsdelight.com. Hi, this is Larry Wolf of Wolf Rub Barbecue Seasonings, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. The show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. Widely considered to be the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday Two bits of contact information in case you want to get in touch with the show tonight. More than happy to have you. 877-448-0433. You can also email the show. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. There it is, your contact information. 877-448-0433 or Greg at 
thebbqcentralshow.com. Everything else about the show can be found at the website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Once again, if you didn't get the newsletter, might I urge you to head on over to the website and sign up, thebbqcentralshow.com. That way you can get that newsletter that pops out about 14 past, uh, I'm sorry, uh, around 3, 4 o'clock every Tuesday. Man, this really has turned into a gamble. Potential first guess in about 13 minutes from now. Ernest Cervantes from Burnt Bean Company, Burnt Bean Barbecue Company. He was just on the premiere episode of the new season of Barbecue Pitmasters. And uh, we'll see how that actually turns out. Uh, Very hard to, you know, the the follow-up with him has been uh, a little lackluster. So I'm hedging bets. Uh, 8.30 just shot an email out to him, said, hey, I need some type of number to contact you so we can actually do this bad boy. Haven't heard back, and that's kind of been the case. Uh, all the way through the past three, four days uh, since he said he was down for the interview. So we'll see how that goes. 35 past the hour. Current KCBS president and the one of the owners of Barbecuer's Delight, Candy Weaver, rejoins the show. Always happy to talk a little barbecue with her. Second hour, fan favorite, multiple-time author, world record holder, Ted Reeder joins us. Uh, we'll talk a little primary with him as well, like we do with Meathead as well as some other holiday treats, Christmas one week away, in case you forgot about that, helping you out. Uh, so we'll talk to him a little bit about that, uh, his take on the whole deal, and uh, some other side dishes. Uh, and we'll see what else Ted always got something else going on when it comes to the uh, world of barbecue and grilling as well. And then helping me close out the show, 35 past the hour, Malcolm Reed from Killer Hogs. So there is your lineup, 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Folks, widely, widely considered to be one of the up-and-coming, most popular segments of the world. We made a margarita. Uh Uh-oh, no sound, no video. We all good here, guys? Everybody good? Sound, video? Should be all good. I'm sure I would have heard it by now. Um, You might want to refresh. We made a margarita last week. Two weeks. Martini time. And I can string it at least two more weeks, starting again with this week uh, for what we call uh, cocktail time. So uh, without further ado, I do think it's cocktail time. Hey. Speaking of cocktail time, it looks like uh, there's a little helper in the the kitchen. A little helper in the kitchen. Uh, Hey, Maddie. What are we doing? I don't know what you're doing. Sorry about that. Let me uh, just do this for a few minutes, and then we will uh, quickly adjourn back. Uh, Tonight, folks, got to get all my stuff back in order here. It was margarita last week, right? Loved margarita. It was martini two weeks ago, as I just said, before we got out here. One of my new favorite drinks that I found this summer, strictly because of uh, this particular uh, liquor, this is called the Firefly. It is ice, sweet iced tea flavored vodka. Uh, it's a delight. It's refreshing. And again, this could be potentially construed as a summertime drink. <laughs> I don't believe in that. Tastes good to you. Drink it all year long if you want to, especially on the coldest of days. Especially on the coldest of days. It's a very simple drink to make. Uh, you will need Firefly sweet tea vodka. 
we use this. It's a Crystal Light Lemonade makes uh, one of these small packets. Makes two quarts, believe it or not. So you can make a batch for friends and neighbors. And of course, you'll need the tall Turvis tumbler. Uh, we use tall because, you know, we can drink more out of a tall glass. So, uh, like we pretty much do with every single cocktail, we will head on over to the ice chest. You'll hear, you will not see. And, uh, you know, I, I may be considered a, uh, an ice hog or somebody who, who might be considered to overdo it when it comes to the amount of ice that one uses in a drink. Here we go. Uh, this has a nice uh, pour spout. I have no like ounces or I just go by eyeball. So uh, for me, it's going to be a little less than half. So here we go. This is uh, 80 proof. Good stuff. Oh, look at that. All right. So yeah, so that's just a little less than half right there. And then we'll go into the refrigerator, grab the iced tea. Pardon me just for a moment. Been uh, filling for a hand, few, uh, handful of hours. And then, uh, as the, the classic Arnold Palmer finds ice, a, a combination, a chemistry, if you will, of regular iced tea and lemonade. Uh, I call this drink the Arnold Palmer because you take the iced tea away and you use iced tea vodka, which, if you consume enough, might make you say Arnold Palmer instead of Arnold Palmer, you know, because you're drunk. So you take your Parnold, you add your Ulmer at the top. Oh, look at that. Perfect. And then I use uh, this as a stirrer, if you will. Um, generally stir. I like to go down, kind of pull up in a circular slash whirlpool kind of motion to make sure everything is integrated properly into the drink. And then we discard. Uh-oh. I don't have it on, do I? No, I do have it on. Who's calling? This could be bad. So, here is a Arnold Palmer. Wow. Lemony, refreshing, Maddie. Um, so there we go. All right, let's adjourn back to the console of broadcast excellence. Here we go. And uh, just like that, we are back in the console of broadcast excellence. Hmm. So what, uh, so what have we found here? I clicked on the Facebook link and now have both. I don't know. You tell me. Hey, look at that. I am going to have a uh, first psychic guest. All right. Um, so uh, enjoy that for what it is, the uh, Parnold Almer. I'm going to enjoy it for the uh, at least the, the duration of the first hour. Um, what? Well, just in case. I don't know. Um, there is a online magazine called Smoke Signals. Uh, Google it, or if you go to my Facebook page, and uh, you should be able to go ahead and um, get all of that from there. Uh, 
to, to link over to the smoke signals. Uh, so I do want to thank Eric Devlin and uh, everybody that puts together that fine periodical. Keep up the good work, buddy. Uh, as far as a recap for the drive for $5,000 fundraiser benefiting the Corliss Johnson Memorial Foundation, a whole week and no, no donations. Boo. So we're stuck at 3000 We have 2000 to get, 2000 to get to. Uh, PayPal address, if you want to do that, to Greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com. Greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com. You can also make uh, PayPal donations directly to CancerSuckChicago.com if you're looking for that tax benefit like we learned about last week. Um, and giveaways tonight include Killer Hogs Barbecue Sauce, a Barbecuer's Delight Super Smoker Pack, and Meat Rakes. Does it get any better than that? I doubt it. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, straight ahead, coming back, uh, we do have the Killer Hogs giveaway. So have your fingers ready. Fingers? Uh, quickly, folks, if you're like me, then you're always trying to think of ways to step that barbecue and grilling game up a notch. And quite frankly, there's no better or easier way to do that by adding a little butcher barbecue to your arsenal. Now, do you need some validation to head on over to ButcherBBQ.com? Perhaps. Fine. How about three winners of the Houston Livestock and Barbecue Contest and Rodeo have all used and won with Butcher Barbecue? Top teams in KCBS, FBA, IBCAI, IBCA all use Butcher Barbecue products. And how about the fact that the pitmaster of Butcher Barbecue uses Butcher Barbecue products? It's not a gimmick, folks. He uses his own stuff. Uh, we all know Butcher's well-known for the injections, the pork, the beef, and now, of course, that prime injection, which has combined all the things loved from their beef injection using its award-winning flavor enhancer, its ability to keep your brisket juicy. They have combined it with what has become the competition standard in beef flavor. It's available for sale right now on ButcherBBQ.com. Now, perhaps you are looking for a go-to rub or sauce. Friends, you have hit the mother load here as well. Butcher Barbecue, a full line of award-winning rubs. One of my personal favorites is that steak and brisket rub. Uh, but grab some of that honey rub. That garnered a lot of Internet fame last year, uh, winning a number of awards and, and getting a lot of accolades. But try that premium rub, especially if you inject with Butcher's Barbecue because it's formulated to work with the injection. It's a perfect one-two punch to impress the judges and your friends alike. And last but not least, Butcher's Barbecue Sweet Barbecue Sauce. Look, when it comes to sauce, I'm as picky as it gets, let's be honest. And Butcher's Sweet Sauce wins in every category for me. Not overly sweet, a nice slice of tang, and just the right amount of back-end heat. And for crying out loud, no liquid smoke. Dave took the time and effort to make a quality sauce, and he didn't take the easy way out like most folks do when they add that devil's urine, better known as liquid smoke. Grab a box of six. It's going to go fast. And no worries on breaking the bank when it comes to shipping either. Orders $55 or less ship at $7 U.S. Bucks. 56 and up ships at 9 bucks. Cheap. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. Stock up right now. Of course, they do have that a trade-in program going on as well, like they have for the last number of months. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. We'll be back with Ernest Cervantes of Burnt Bean Company right after this. Stick around.
Gang, uh, up for bid the very first time out tonight. Killer Hogs barbecue sauce. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can darken myself up a little bit. I know I'm getting a little, uh, somebody say Demi Moore look. Well, that didn't help at all. Damn it. Anyway, look. Uh, Killer Hogs barbecue sauce up for grabs. If you've already won, you know, don't. No Bob. Also, sorry, folks. Uh, well, not for this one. Maybe for the next one. Uh, all you have to do to get your hands on a bottle of Butcher Barbecue is email me. Be the first one in to email me uh, with this in the subject line. Myron Mixon, Jack's Old South. Jack's has to be correct in the uh, plural, non-plural form. Uh, Myron Mixon, Jack's Old South, in the subject line uh, for your chance and what is up for grabs, Killer Hogs Barbecue Sauce. Good luck. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio. Oh, what did I just do there? All right, hold on a second. Try that again. Faded out the wrong bed. Not very smart. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Yeah, I'll be honest, that is uh, kind of looking weird. I'm a little ghosty. Uh, I'm trying out a new broadcast software as well, so stick with me today. Uh, 877 Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Those are two ways to get in touch with the show. My first guest tonight has been on TV quite a bit as of late. He's won chopped version of the Grillmasters in the summer and was just on the premiere episode of Season 4 of Barbecue Pitmasters. Let's go ahead and race over to the hotline and grab the Pitmaster of Burnt Bean Company, Ernest Cervantes, joining us here on the show. Ernest, how are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you, my friend? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Ernest. Appreciate you making time for the show tonight. And, uh, you know, before we get into the Pitmasters recap, which, of course, everybody's waiting with bated breath for, uh, maybe a little quick background on you and how you got into this whole barbecue gig. Uh, well, long story short, um, any kind of, I, was, I was just, I think I started like everybody else. I was a backyard warrior. And uh, my neighbor just was like, dude, you got to try out for this, you know, barbecue cook-offs and stuff like that. And, I, you know, I didn't know any, that much about it, you know, being raised and what was that. It was mostly fajitas. So I said, sure, why not? And uh, took my uh, $50, drum, $50, 55-gallon drums out there, and I hit first place right off the bat. And uh, I guess I guess that's the bug bite hit, and the rest is history. So hook, line, and sinker right from there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's just that easy. Uh, we're talking with Ernest Cervantes of Burnt Bean Company. Uh, the website, by the way, burntbeanco.com, if you want to check them out on the Internet. Let's recap the show this past weekend, Ernest, and I'm sure you followed the many iterations of this barbecue pitmasters through the years and right. through the seasons. Uh, this time, no overall champion as there was in years past. It's really one and done with some... In, in my humble estimation, average prize money. Your thoughts on this version of the show, and how did you like taking part in it? Well, 
I, you know, first of all, barbecue, uh, you know, barbecue pit matches, I think is the mecca of every barbecue show that any barbecue competitor as well as backyard where wants to be on, uh, you know, to be called up and being asked to be put on a show, you know, I was all gung ho about it. You know, I could care less about the money or anything. I guess that's just the validation of, you know, of our industry is trying to be on that show. And, uh, I got to get on the show and just the opportunity to meet Myron and Tuffy and Aaron was, it was a blessing. So, uh, you know, I took it and ran with it at, you know, at first they didn't have any money for it. Actually, that was, uh, Myron, Myron kicked in the money in for that pot. So it was, it was a big surprise. So, so there was no money, there was no prize money at all. Right. There was no prize money at all. And at the last moment, uh, Myron, I think uh, threw in 2000 bucks. So uh, it was kind of cool. So how was it pitched to you as, uh, I'm guessing it was probably original media or, or, or Destination America getting in touch with you as far as, you know, once you had been cast and they said, hey, uh, we're going to do this Texas-themed barbecue. We want you to take part of it. By the way, no prize money whatsoever. And uh, there you go. Thanks for coming. Yeah, that's basically exactly what you said. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was, it was of, is it so, and I've probably uh, sketched this out down the road here in, in the uh, in the questions thing, but I mean, obviously being on TV is its own great thing. But, I mean, competitors are competitors are competitors. We want to make some cash. We want some money. So when they pitch it as no prize money, did it throw you off a bit? Were you like, eh, I got to think about this? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. You know, if you, want to, if you want to keep it real, yes. I was, uh, it was kind of a, you know, one of those wah, wah, wah kind of moments. <laughs> but still, to be on Pit Masters was still pretty cool, man. And, and uh you know, you know us, us, us professional guys. You know, we can say at the end of the day that we don't do it for money. We do it for the that's that's no. We all do it for the money and and uh, we do it for pride and you know reputation. But you know, again, when when was the last time they never came to Texas? And to be part of the first show in Texas was pretty cool. And uh, I was all for it. You know, with or without money, it was cool. I just wanted to be on the show. And uh, but I was very surprised who it was competing against. Uh, two uh, restaurant people and uh, no competition people so uh, that was that was a big shocker there ernest cervantes joining us here on the show recapping barbecue Pitmasters, uh, the debut episode of season four which you just took part in now in true texas fashion you know the meats were brisket and cowboy steak if you can remember this far back how did your cook go for you and you know did you leave anything on the table uh, or were you good to go with the way it happened uh you know when they said brisk, you know, it was a no brainer. If you, if you think about it, if you had to guess what we would cook in Texas, you know, as, as, as the thing, it had to be brisket and some kind of other beef product. So, you know, we went in there, you know, guns blazing as well as we brought everything that we possibly could for any scenario, any kind of grill as well. So, uh, when they, uh, gave us brisket, no brainer, you know, it was basically going back to work just like any other cook off. The only thing was, uh, the brisket I got was, uh, I guess I got to pick third. <laughs> so my cut of brisket wasn't too hot right off the bat. You, I got a real thick, uh, point side. It was just three inches of fat. So, uh, uh, it was, it was really bad, but you know, I, you know, there's no crying in barbecue at, you know, cowboy it up and, you know, and I, and I, and I tried my best. You know, I've been seeing a lot of this on the internet. And of course, if it's written on the internet, it's true. I wholeheartedly believe that Ernest. Um, what about this notion that people from Texas aren't typically cooking with a, a Wagyu brisket or a Snake River Farms brisket? Is that, uh, on the whole, true? Is that patently ridiculous? Yeah, what do that's you think? very. That's very true. Uh, you know, I use I use Creekstone Farms uh, briskets, but uh, you know, here in Texas, we got such a great selection 
it's it's a little bit different, you know, with us down here. We use the black Angus, and what we you know usually use, uh, that's what we use. We I, I could be wrong. There might be some guys that use you know the high dollar briskets. I use a great quality brisket, uh, and and I'm used to that. So, you know, that was the second time I've ever used one of those Wagyu briskets. So, you're so cooking, it, was, it, was, it was a learning lesson. You're cooking brisket. You're cooking the cowboy steak. Now, for the brisket especially, on the judging panel, Aaron Franklin, uh, widely regarded, and he's been touted as being the best brisket cook in the country. So does it make it any more intimidating for you to cook brisket for him, especially considering you know who else was on the judging panel, but to have him especially getting ready to judge brisket, did it put any more pressure on your shoulders? You know, actually, it was the opposite. Uh, you know, when I found out, you know, the rules are, you know, they kind of, yeah, if anybody's been on the show, they, they basically say, hey, we, we're looking for KCBS style cooking. You know, down here in Texas, we don't use KCBS, we use IBCA. So I had to research a lot. I called a lot of friends, you know, from Florida, from Missouri, uh, you know, anybody, even New Jersey, to figure out what to do with brisket, not necessarily brisket, but turnings, because I'm not used to, you know, maybe there's like five cook-offs in KCBS in Texas a year. So we're used to our own sanctions. So, uh, I was kind of nervous on that, but uh, the nervous part, because I was a competitor and a competition cooker, so I was more intimidated with Myron and Tuffy than Aaron, because I know Aaron is one of those plain Jane salt pepper guys, and, uh, you know, restaurant style, he leaves everything on there instead of trim, neat, clean boxes. Ernest Cervantes joining us here on the show. You know, I'm always endlessly fascinated with TV and you know what happened versus what we're showing you. So, how true was the final show that we saw Sunday versus all that raw footage that was captured? And did you see any angles being tricked up that weren't really happening there that they were trying to make a story, if you will? Um, well, actually, everything was pretty much spot on. The only thing uh, I know we were uh, running uh, towards a little late, so they had to make an, uh, a lot of. Uh, updates the next day so if you ever saw the first issue of pit masters where they said which brisket would you choose that was like a day later so that's why they all look like crap you know uh but uh just like any other show you know they have their trials and tribulations they did a great job on the show um they let us cook and they just they filmed us the whole time and, and you know you're trying to get a show where you have a long cut of you know beef especially brisket which takes a long time to cook it's not so much you can film doing for six to eight hours just sitting there. You know what I mean? So it was that was the one part that was very difficult. If John Marcus came up to you or the production team and said, hey, Ernest, we're looking for your input on how to make this show better for the next time, what would you tell him? Go back to the old style, what, what everybody fell in love with. You know, going, getting about five or six cooks, you know, uh, you know, teams follow them through the competition circuit because it's 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 a better show like that because not only are you not just doing one or two meets that no one really cares about, but you're actually learning how they box things, learning how they turn in things, and every time you know if you have DVR, you pause it. And I know I'm I'm not the only going guilty at that. You know, it's pausing it, checking out the way they do their boxes, what's around, learning some secrets of the game, and and that was so much fun seeing that show compared to now the way they have it, you know, state, you know, don't get me wrong, it's really cool, but I really like the old format. This past summer, you were also on uh, the Chopped Grillers, where they were featuring grillers and pitmasters for this uh, special series for that show, Chopped. Uh, you end up winning that one. 
What were some yeah. of the biggest differences between those two shows since you've done them both? Uh, the time. <laughs> you know, you got you got 20 minutes. Uh, the, the weather was horrible. You know, you dealt with altitude. Uh, the baskets were just insane. And you had, you know, you, you know, the people that you're competing with are just as good as anywhere else. But, you know, the challenge of cooking in, in such an intense environment, the altitude was really crazy. The 20-degree the weather and that wind, you know, it, that was a challenge. And not only that, you're cooking on something you're not used to. So, uh, you know, just, just I guess, being a grill master or a pit master is just willing to adapt to the situation and, you know, rocking it. So that was the biggest challenge compared to pit masters where you're using your own pit and you have eight to ten hours to cook one one product, you know, uh, the margin of error is it's not as big as, as on Chopped. Do you have a preference for one show style or the other, given your druthers? No, they're both the same at the end of the day. <clears throat> they're both the same. I, you know, my I love Chopped Grill Masters, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, I'm a, you know, I'm a barbecuer, and I, I enjoy barbecuing a lot more. Ernest Cervantes joining us here on the show. BurntBeanCO.com is his website if you want to check him out there. You know, obviously being on TV gives you a lot more exposure to the mass viewing audience than you would normally get just doing what you normally do, you know, weekend in, weekend out of competitions. Uh, how has being on these shows helped you, or conversely, has it been any type of a detractor for you? You know, at the end of the day, I consider it a blessing. Uh, it's not very often, you know, I had one opportunity and then I tell anybody I tell everybody this, if you have this one opportunity to be on a show or to be on something that you've always dreamed about, don't take it lightly, take it, run with it and don't look back. And that's what I did on chopped. You know, I, I had that one opportunity that everybody wishes they could be on TV and, uh, some people might take it lightly and you might regret it. I, you know, I, I, you know, balls to the ground, you know, I ran with it and, uh, it was one of those type of things that. It, it it just it was a snowball effect, and you know I've been getting a lot of blessings and a lot of really cool. Hey, I'm on your show. That's pretty cool, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> I'm getting a lot of exposure. But at the end of the day, you know, the guys down here in Texas know who I am. I'm I'm big earned. Day, you know, I'm not going to change on that part. You know, there has been some hurts, and uh, hopefully I can get you know something bigger going. You know, at the end of the day, that's what I want to do is try to be a full time into this industry, and uh, you know, eventually quit my job or something. Yeah, that was the next question I was kind of going to lead into was the fact that, you know, do you have any plans to strike while the proverbial iron is hot for you and the team, you know, books, other TV appearances, restaurants, stuff like that, or are you just going to take it as it comes along? Yeah, you know, I, I've been offered some stuff, you know, nothing really enticing. At the end of the day, uh, you know, we want to, I want to compete in barbecuing and, uh, you know, I want to do stuff like that on the weekends and, and there's nothing that's really uh, sweet in the pot right now you know, if anybody's out there, <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, from endorsements, I just don't think I want to roll out any rubs cookbook. Yes. I'm working on that right now, but, uh, rubs and sauces, you know, there's so many great rubs out there and so many great sauces. I just don't want to, you know, uh, fall into the fray and uh, just be the flavor of the month this month, you know, uh, uh, on my sauces and rubs. I just, I'd rather wait and uh, see what's a bigger thing out there, a bigger, uh, bigger, bigger plans, you know, you're a Texas guy. Brisket known to be king down there when it comes to barbecue, aside from sausage. Oh, yeah. Uh, what yeah. are some of the best brisket joints you can hit if I was going to be traveling the great state of Texas? Oh, man, you got to go to L.A. Barbecue, which was uh, Mueller's out there in Austin. Um, Aaron's is great. Uh, you know, those are those places that you're going to spend a lot of money at that barbecue. Everyday barbecue, there's a place in San Marcos called Hayes Barbecue. 
I think it's one of these uh, hidden gems, and uh, those guys are great down there. You know, I'm always over there. You know, Robert Sierra from SNS Pits is out there too. We go there at least once a week and eat some really good barbecue. You know, you can go on a Tuesday this week and a Thursday of next week, and the barbecue is consistently good. Uh, Lockhart, eh, it's, it's it's it is what it is. Uh, you know, that's I, I love their sauces, but other than that, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, brisket is king out here. We don't put any sauce on anything. And I, I don't know if a lot of people saw that on the show. Uh, there was no injections. There was uh, nothing like that. We just really emphasized the wood and the flavor of the, the meat. I'm going to throw a curve at you here, Ernest. Shoot. Nothing to do with barbecue whatsoever. Uh-huh. You know, there was a movement afoot, or, you know, at least I had heard about it through readings in the paper, hearing it on the news, the Texas was talking about looking to secede from the Union, better known as what I call quitting the United States. Uh, A, were you aware of that, and would you be on board for a secession if it were to actually happen? You know, that's that's the one thing in Texas. You know, everybody says, hey, let's secede. But I guess a lot of people forget one thing, man. Who's going to take care of those borders? You know, (laughs) those drug cartels are dying to come on over here, and they've got the manpower and everything to do it. And they'll just slowly creep up. You know, where we're from, we're just two hours from the border. I think it wouldn't be good on that part. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm all for it. (laughs) You know, we have everything we need here. Christmas is a week away, literally a week away. Uh, So hopefully you've got your shopping done or you're going to have a hell of a time over the next seven days to get your stuff finished off. But what's the Christmas present you want the most this year, Ernest? Uh, I want, I guess what I want the most is uh, to hit the barbecue trail and hit it. At least I want to do some KCBS this year. And, I, and my one, of course, is to hit the jack. You know, I've always been up for the, the drawings, but never hit the jack. But hopefully maybe this year I'll get the jack. Is it, uh, have you been to the American Royal Invitational? Uh, I've been invited. I've qualified for two years. Uh, work's always gotten in the way. So unfortunately I haven't been able to, but that's one of my bucket list things this year, hopefully. Why not just win them both and then call it a uh, call it a barbecue career? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, uh, it's getting close, man. It's getting close. You know, I got my new uh, barbecue rig. Uh, I'm, I'm dying. It's kind of like being that you know that, that kid that can't play with his toy. You know, I got it in October and I've yet to play with it maybe twice since then. That's how busy I've been. You know, traveling all over the United States. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed. This year, I'm going to be going to Blunt, you know Guns Blazing in January with the San Antonio Rodeo. It's about 262 to 287 teams. Uh, and then from then on, it's it's all downhill from there. I'm going to be hitting every week a cook-off. There you go. Ernest Cervantes is the pitmaster of the Burnt Bean Barbecue Company. Uh, came in uh, runner-up just this past weekend on the premiere episode of Season 4 of Barbecue Pitmasters. Ernest, appreciate the time. Thanks for coming out tonight. Let's do it again soon. All right, man. Take care. You got it. There he is. Ernest Cervantes, Burnt Bean Company. All right, hold on a damn minute. I apologize for the people that are having uh, issues watching. I believe uh, the term is I'm coming in a little too hot. I thought I had made all those proper adjustments when I was uh, trying to get that feed in. Hold on. Oh, that looks bad. That looks a little better. Oh, that don't look good at all. All right. Well, we're just going to have to... Figure. Let me put up the black a little bit. All right. So um, what we've learned is I'm going to be going back to the old broadcast. 
Yeah, I mean, I am ghosty. But what the hell is going on there, bro? I gotta, I gotta blacken up a little bit. No offense, but I do. I gotta blacken up a bit. Wow. Uh, congratulations to Don Hopkins for winning Killer Hogs barbecue sauce. Um, Don, if you have my email address, uh, go ahead and shoot me an email uh, again uh, with your shipping info. And then in the subject line, put Killer Hogs barbecue sauce. Don Hopkins, I said. Don G, relax. Wow, I'm really fading out. We're going to have to suffer through uh, this show only, folks, because I have all the other stuff set up. So, wow, that looks really crappy. Yeah, yeah, really crappy. Uh, appreciate Ernest Cervantes coming on. And uh, hooking me up there with the uh, with the interview. Like I said, I was a little uh, scared in the fact that, uh, you know, I didn't know how that was actually going to uh, come out. Wow, look at that. Ugh, what a nightmare this is going to be. Why isn't that changing? Ugh, wow. Now that looks better. But, uh, okay, anyway, look. 877 Greg at the Uh I didn't get to ask him about burn ends. I don't know how these things... I'm so jaded when it comes to television now that when I watch it, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking for every possible production aspect or gimmick or angle that they're trying to work. People were getting crazy with how bad the turn-ins looked uh, for the other two guys, Buzzies and Lockhart. I have to admit, I thought the same thing, but re- you know, this isn't competition barbecue. This is people cooking barbecue in a competition. Not the same thing. Remember that. Right, we're coming back with uh, Candy Weaver, but first a public service announcement to all the barbecue brothers and sisters from your show sponsor, Barbecue Jewel to the Stars, Stephen DeFranco. <laughs> Folks, as I said, seven glorious days until Christmas. Hurry, folks, hurry. Fading away. I feel like uh, Back to the Future. StephenDeFranco.com is the website. Peruse it. Peruse it, please. And know this, that uh, A, you're going to be saving a ton of money, especially on shipping. I don't know, like, where we're at as far as getting it by Christmas or, you know, something like that, I, I, I really don't. But if you call him now, maybe you can put a picture of something in a box if it's not going to get there on time, save you from getting your ass kicked out of the house. Nobody wants that. You're going to get crazy deals on the uh, Accutron line of watches, of course. Uh, I'm wearing my um, Precisionist tonight. I was wearing the Accutron uh, yesterday. I was wearing a, a more fitting garment. But it doesn't have to be watches. It can be a stud earrings, which we refer to as that little sexy black dress of jewelry. Necklace. What? That's what they say. I don't know who they are. Big stuff out of here. No. Uh, necklaces. Diamond pendants. People wear pendants anymore. Anniversary bands, engagement rings, fellas. If you name it, Steven's got it, and he's going to get you at a price. A barbecue and brother sister price. So here's what you do. Once you find what you want, or just call right in. 440-943-2700. 
2700 Say, hey, Steve, I'm looking for this, or I'm looking for that, or I saw this on the website, or I saw that on the website. I'm looking for the barbecue and brother price hookup. What can you do for me? Help me out. And then he will. And again, everything ships for free. A lot of the stuff you're going to get the free engraving with the watches. You get the extended year of warranty. You get the watch care package at no additional cost. But you can't beat it with a stick. You can't whip it with a switch. StephenDeFranco.com. And then 440-943-2700. 440-943-2700. All right, we're coming back with the president. The president of the KCBS Candy Weaver. And Barbecuers Delight, one of the others. Stick around. We'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Big B, new shot, suburban Let's go! I'm an outlaw. Give me two shots. We don't need All right, welcome back. Bring a jukebox. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show if you want to get in. Thanks again to Ernest Cervantes for joining me on the show this past segment. Uh, my next guest tonight is the current president of the KCBS. She is one of the owners of Barbecuers Delight Wood Pellets and the pitmaster of Barbecuers Delight Competition Cooking Team. Let's go ahead and race over the hotline. Welcome back, friend of the show, Candy Weaver. Candy, how are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Candy. We appreciate you making time for the show tonight. Uh, you know, before we get into that re-election stuff, Candy, uh, how about a little update on what's going on KCBS right now as the, as the year kind of draws to a close? Well, the pace of everything, uh, we're getting ready for the banquet, of course, in January, and we're getting ready for um, um, the big election and uh, basically wrapping things up for the year. Uh, got good news on, on our, our, our new scoring system has been under development for the year, and it looks like uh, we're on track to have that, um, that out for the first of the year, which is really exciting. We debuted in, in uh, San Diego. And it still had some bugs, and it's taken some time and, and a lot more time than we would have liked, but we're getting getting ready to be done there. So you mentioned new scoring system. What's going to be like some of the biggest changes uh, that the teams are going to be seeing? Well, the biggest change from a team perspective is teams will know where they hit on the table. You know, if you're, you're on a table with six other teams, and you'll know whether you were first and last uh, on that table. And I think that's going to be... Uh, very helpful for a team to see. They may not have won the contest, but you're going to know how you placed on the table with the rest of the entries on that in that category. And I think that's pretty neat. Does it potentially open up an issue where if, if a team sees what table they're hitting on and, and they don't like the scores, that now they can actually go back and, I don't know if you can question judge, judges directly, but could it, could there be more... Of a, of a blowback from them uh, through email channels and face-to-face talks about, you know, these tables had these judges and they gave me crappy scores uh, that maybe they don't find out about right now? Well, I think the one thing that this is going to bring home to every cook team out there that, it, that uh, there's an awful lot to the, the saying luck of the table. Um, now, judging is blind. And even though a team's going to know, well, I was, I was team number four or number five, 
or et cetera, on table number two, they're still not going to know who the judges were. Candy Weaver joining so. me here on the show. Uh, KCBS.us is the KCBS website, and of course, uh, the company website that she's at, BBQRS Delight. Dot com. You know, as you look back over the course of the year, you know, what were some of the biggest accomplishments that the board was able to, to get through? Um, you know, I don't know as any particular board, at least in the in as I close out my third year on the board. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything that you re- you can ever really say that. I'd say we, we managed to increase our number of contests. We're up 2,000 members from, from last year. Um, you know, you kind of just want to keep things going along. If that kind of sound, sounds kind of silly, it's not really something where you have great highs and lows. You just try to keep consistency and have great contests and, and uh, you know, deal with problems as they arise. And actually, it's been a pretty quiet year in a lot of respects. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, over the last three or four years, I mean, you're always, you know, I don't want to say you're hearing a lot of uh, stuff from a, a small percentage of people, but even now, I mean, you're rarely hearing uh, any type of uproar through the internet chatter uh, or through other channels as well. So, you know, obviously, um, no uh, no words uh, or no feedback or, or not hearing anything is obviously a good thing when we're talking about this. Uh, you know, what are some of the things that are in the works that you're trying to revise or, or change or otherwise make better uh, for the membership right now, aside from uh, that scoring system? Well, the big issue is one that was uh, initially, um, I think it has its seeds back uh, all the way to two, 2009, and that's the thought of regional representation. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a... Um, uh, non-binding consensus on the in the election in 2000 and um, oh last year, and uh, the board never could work a way that that every that a majority of the board could vote for as far as a way to do it. And I have mixed feelings on regional representation. I think in concept it's a good thing, but KCBS is not just a regional organization. It's it's nationwide and, and moving outside the boundaries of America. And do we really want to have somebody whose major focus is not necessarily the whole of KCBS, but only, say, the southeast or the northeast? And, and I'm not so sure that's a good way to go. I guess when I hear about regional representation... Because, as you said, KCBS continues to grow. You're going to get outside of country borders. You're going international. You know, if you have a regional representation, at least the way that it's kind of spun around in my mind is you're getting input from different areas kind of coming back to the mothership, if you will. So certain things can be taken into account. Is that not necessarily what uh, regional representation means? Well, we're talking about regional representation on the board. And if you Uh. split half the board six members of the board, up to where they are elected only by their specific region um, and not by the, the membership as a whole, um, where are there a lot, where, where is, there a, is their primary focus going to be for KCBS or is it going to be for the southeastern region where they were right. elected or, where, you know, or whatever? I'm just using it as an example. And uh, one of the biggest... You know, you can gerrymander it around, and does it need to be set based on number of members? 
so that ideally your voting pool is 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, whatever the number is for whatever region. Do you base it on number of KCBS events? Do you base it on a totality of all of that? And what happens if you have one person running from one region and they get elected with less than 100 members voting for them? And that, that person is going to have the same vote and the same voice on the board as, uh, as, as somebody that was elected with over 1,000 votes? I don't know. I think there's a lot of ways that regional representation has happened naturally over the course. I can remember uh, back at the, at the beginning of the century, uh, uh, you know, early 2000 aughts, and, and uh, most of the board members, if not all of them, were from Kansas City. You know, nowadays, board members are from all over. Um, and while a popularity contest may not be the best way to do it, at least we're all on an even playing field. So this kind of dovetails nicely. We're talking with Candy Weaver, by the way, current president of the KCBS. You know, you were up for re-election to the board, uh, which will be taking place in January, uh, voting-wise. Uh, you do have that unique insight as to what's actually going on on the board right now. Why are you running for the board again, and why should the membership consider you for re-election? That's a hard question, Greg. <laughs> you know, I, Is it? I, in a lot of ways... I think I've given three very good years, and uh, it's rather a thankless job. And I, I, I went into this because I felt very strongly about some things that happened in 2009. And um, my three years on the board, I've, I've accomplished a lot of what I wanted to. And I'll be honest with you, when I ran the first time, I had no intention of running for a second term. Um, during the course of my travels over the last year, I had I had an awful lot of people ask me to. And um, so, so, would you be running for other people then, or do you really want to do it? Do I really want to be on the board? <laughs> yeah, I mean, with people, sometimes you run into an issue where maybe your heart isn't in it, but you have a groundswell of people coming up to you saying, "Hey, we want you to stay on. We like what you're doing." So you decide to make a decision that. Maybe your heart isn't in, but you feel almost obligated by other people asking you to do it because of your past performance. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I think my part is very much with KCBS uh, and, and probably all will, always will be whether I'm on the board or off the board. I absolutely adore the whole competition thing. And I, 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 I would say that I am running for the board mainly because I would like to serve another year as president of KCBS because I like the direction that we're going and I'm not done. All right, so let's assume, hypothetically, you are reelected. What What are some of the things that you would like to see done over that next term that you would be serving? I would like us look to look beyond uh, where we are now. There's been talk for, for years and years about uh, what KCBS ought to be a for-profit organization. We ought to be run as a, as, as a sporting club. And, and perhaps be a lot more professional about how we do things. I'd really like to look at, at, at ways we might can achieve that. I'd like to look and see. There's been talk for probably the last year and maybe longer about uh, a KCBS museum in, Bar in Kansas City somewhere where it's a destination. You know, the Hall of Fame is already at the American Royal, and, and God bless it, I'm glad it's got a home outside of the uh, a uh, closet in Iowa, and um, but KCBS 
has done an awful lot for bar for for Kansas City and for barbecue in general. And we could be a destination for Kansas City and give back to our roots and embrace barbecue and uh, use a lot of the the information that we've gathered over the years and make it into something that uh, is really worthy of visiting. Kitty, I got and you. I'd, co- like, to see, I'd Go like to see that happen. All right, now I got you for a couple more minutes. So uh, before okay. I. Uh, before time runs out here, I do want to jump a little bit into the uh, other side of things that you do, which is pellets. Um, okay. First of all, you know anything new going on uh, as far as like flavors or product offerings or anything that we could be on the lookout for 2013? Uh, probably not. We're still scrounging around for peach, and I, I hate it, but we ran out of one of my favorites, and that was the wine-soaked oak. But that was really... Um, pretty much a, a serendipitous find. I really don't have anything in the works. We've had a very, very, very bad year, Greg. And um, with all that has happened in 2012, I'm just really glad that Barbecuers Delight is still here and we're back to making pellets. We had a, a fire in May of, uh, of, of this year that literally burnt down our production facilities. And... Um, you know, thank goodness we were insured and, and we had didn't burn down the inventory and it was very closely kept, but uh, we've had a really, really hard eight months or six months or seven months, however many. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, well, we're not 100% yet. Yeah, fire, uh, fire and anything that's making combustible fire stuff can never be good. Um, fire is a four-letter word. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it starts with F, too, so imagine that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, your pellets, and I've had people ask me kind of along the line, uh, all Barbecuers Delight pellets are, are made by Barbecuers Delight. They're not farmed out anywhere. And I, Oh, absolutely. We don't, we, don't, we, we don't have anybody else make our pellets. And we is, make them ourselves. We have five pellet mills and employ about 50 people. Is there, I mean, we talk, we've talked before about how they're made, um, mm-hmm. but is there like a, like a drying process uh, or... Is it just kind of compressed and then sent through and extruded out into the pellets? Um, you know, how well, does that process work? The wood work? itself starts off at, at very, very, very low moisture, and it goes through a hammer mill process that, that mixes it up and sizes it, crunches it down, and then it goes into a, a, a pellet mill, which extrudes um, under high pressure and, and, and associated heat. The, the wood kind of liquefies and extrudes out through the dyes and becomes um, pellets. And pellets are five times denser than natural natural wood. Right. If you take a pellet and, and put water on it, it'll swell up five times its normal size, and that's the size of the natural wood. But pellets basically come out, I want to say, 85 to 90% uh, dry. There's not much moisture in them, which is one reason why they work so well. They're very, very efficient as a fuel. Absolutely. All right. So, Candy Weaver, currently the president of KCBS, running for re-election, humbly, obviously, asking for your vote. Uh, Candy, always appreciate the time you've given to the show, especially on the KCBS side of things, you know, because I've made some relationships before over there, and for whatever reason, we do one interview, and, you know, nobody ever wants to come back on for as long as uh, they're on the term. But uh, you've always come back every time I've asked you, so I appreciate the candor and, and the, quite honestly, the honesty that, that you give us. And, of course, uh, I thank you for the support on the Barbecuers Delight side of things as far as the show is concerned. So uh, thanks so much for coming on tonight, and good luck. 
Greg, thank you for the opportunity, and uh, best of the holidays to you. Thank you. You as well. There she is. Thanks. Candy Weaver, president of the KCBS, maker of the barbecuers who like wood pellets. Wait, there I am. Hello. We're going to be giving away a super smoker pack from Barbecuers Delight uh, next hour. That'll be coming up in shortly. Get your fingers ready. I'm Bob Marley. Look at right in my microphone. It's green screened out like crazy. Ugh. You know, this broadcast software really had the potential. I love it, but obviously I hate it. Uh, gang, let me talk to you quickly about Casey Lick's barbecue supply. Look, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. People are out there to take your money on the internet. No, folks, it's not just the porno people. It's unsavory businesses. It's creeping marauders, as I like to say. So when you're forced to go on the internet to buy something for your grill or your smoke, feel confident that Fred's Music, Fred's Music, Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply is there to help you because here are a few things that a lot of other people on the internet don't do. A, it's all inventoried. Everything you see on the website, inventory, absolutely. It ships to you promptly. It's priced fairly. Three of the most key things. And they're reputable. They've been doing business for years and years. They actually have a physical location in Chillington, Pennsylvania. So, you know, you might be able to find an item cheaper somewhere else. But you can't be 100% confident that you're actually going to get the item you buy. You don't know how long it's going to take to get to you. You know, all these questions are great to ask, but nobody has 100% assured answers. That's why when you buy from Tasty Lakes Barbecue Supply, the items are in the store. They ship to you promptly, and everything is in the store that's priced fairly. You want to work out a special deal with Fred? Give him a call. See if you can work out a backfield Jones with him. Who knows? He's a businessman. He sings Barbecue One and uh, the other song, Dirty Chicken or Rancid Chicken, whatever that song is. Tasty Licks carries grill smokers, ceramic cookers, electric cookers, various charcoal types, wood chunks, chips, cookbooks, accessories. If they don't have it, you might not need it. And on top of all that, Fred carries many of the other show sponsors in his store as well. So you're almost doing this two-for-one thing, shopping at a sponsor, buying sponsors' products. Best of both worlds. And like many others, they have their own line of rubs and sauces. Got to check those out as well. They're all very good. I love the Tree Hugger blend spice. Love it. Great on veggies. Head on over to TastyLakesBBQ.com. Let the confidence exude from you as you make your online purchases. And then enjoy your items upon delivery. Don't forget that Fred and the gang are there to help you after the sale as well. Hello. TastyLakesBBQ.com. We'll wrap up the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Advice on cooking brisket and ribs. And the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, uh, 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. You can see it. It's right there. That's me. That's me. How do you do that? Oh, I lost my heart. Thanks again to Candy Weaver for joining me. Current president of the KCBS. 
running for re-election. There was a point in that conversation. Jesus Christ, look at this hair. What a mess. I apologize, folks. Does it look that bad or does it just look weird? There's a lot of cool stuff that I can do with this software that I can't do with the other one. But if it looks like a tool, hold on, more of a tool. I don't want to do that. There was a point in that conversation, I don't know if you guys picked up on it or not, that it sounded, you know, she had no intention of running for a second term. She got in, and look, when she got in three years ago, KCBS, by all accounts, a nightmare. Nightmare. So you got to commend somebody that's willing to step up and take the bull by the horns. No pun intended. Pun intended. Why not? So now it's the end of the term. Three years later, three years removed, she's done a lot of things. She's gotten a lot of things accomplished that she's wanted to. People are telling her, hey, you're doing a good job. We like what you're doing. Run for re-election. There was a point where I thought she was going to say, you know, I don't personally want to do it, but there's an obligation. That's why I followed up with that question. So it was refreshing to hear her say, look, you know, I'm getting that from other people. But look, deep down inside, I had a great first term. I got some things done that I really wanted to do. And I want to do it again. Got to commend her for that. You know, snipe at her all you want because maybe she isn't as uh, eloquent on an interview. But from all accounts, look, you know, the squeaky wheel gets a greasing. Uh, no news is good news. And quite honestly, since she's been in, you rarely hear the bitching and complaining that you had heard prior to her getting in three years. So if you are a KCBS member, which I am not, then, hey, reelect her. Cast your vote for her. Uh, Mid-January, we do have some other women looking to make their appearance uh, and ask for your vote as first-time board of directors. Stephanie Wilson and uh, Cheryl, whose last name I forget. Uh, we're pointing to the second hour. Great second takes coming up, gang. You don't want to miss. Stay tuned. I'm going to refresh. You refresh. Maybe refresh your web browsers. And there you go. It's the second hour coming up. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks. This is Scott Grigna from Fairfax, Vermont, also known as Scotty the Q, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> You have a great show on the big thing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate 54 wieners. Oh listen, Lavernius, shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> You could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills. I just like being anywhere with Junior, Senior, and Diva. Sounds like a whole type of movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah, really. <laughs> keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Ooh. Top men. 
right. And just like that, we are into the second hour. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. In case you want to get in touch with the show, you want to weigh in on something. Thanks to Ernest Cervantes and Candy Weaver for last hour. A little off-center here. hey yo. Coming up in the second hour, Ted Reader, about 13 minutes from now, closing out the show, Malcolm Reed. Like Malcolm Reed? I like Malcolm Reed, absolutely. We're we'll talking pork tenderloin with Malcolm Reed, one of my favorite things ever in the face of this pork tenderloin. Well, folks, let's come to this. I just want to thank all of you for listening, being fans of the show. I'm sure I don't need to remind you that this will be the last show ever. Get that big stuff out of here. Uh, as sad as that sounds, we should all take some solace in the fact that while this will be the last show, the last Barbecue Central show ever, uh, we'll all be dying together come Friday. That's right. The Mayan calendar says that Friday, December 21st is it for us. We will be evicted from our persons. And, well, hence no more show, right? Uh, spend wildly. Drink copious amounts of alcohol. Smoke your weed. Blast rails off the backs of dead hookers. Eat your meth or X or whatever you've been pining to do. Lo, these many years. Because in three days, folks, we're done. Get that big stuff out of here. Remember, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Let the tomfoolery begin. And if you think I'm wrong, folks, have I got a picture for you? You think I'm kidding? You think the world's not ending? Look at this weather forecast. Monday, kind of rainy. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, 1,250 degrees with meteors and comets. Get out of here. No. What the heck? Yeah, whatever. I'll see you next week. Damn right. Got to make the Section 8 next week. Love that, though. Love that forecast. 42 degrees Sunday. Today it's 45. It was about right. 45 degrees was about today. Uh, 40, 45. And then Friday, 1250. 1250. That's right, Travis. We'll be on God's barbecue pit. Rendering our proverbial fat. Programming note for the next two weeks. Next week, week after, we're going to be moving to Wednesday the 26th and Wednesday, January 2nd because of the holidays that will take place on those Tuesdays. So we'll be going the 26th and the 2nd, Wednesday, Wednesday. Uh, so obviously we talked to Ernest Cervantes about Barbecue Pitmasters. little update, you know, the premiere of the new season took place this past Sunday. Destination America, check your cable provider for the station number, and I know a lot of folks either don't get it or need to upgrade their package to upgrade their package uh, to see the show. Look, I don't blame you if you don't upgrade. I didn't last year. I wasn't going to pay 30 extra bucks to see one freaking show. And quite frankly, I think Myron Mixon has run its course on the show. I would much rather see him cooking than telling Tuffy and Aaron to suck his balls every five seconds. It's getting a little long in the tooth for me. And to that end, and again, just my opinion, I have a long-standing dislike for this style 
of format or show. But to me, you know, the trash talk between the teams seems so unnatural, like forced or perhaps it was even suggested that they do it. It's weird. It's awkward. And quite frankly, it lessens my enjoyment of watching a horrifically average show overall. And the thing that bothers me the most is the fact that Destination America has, from all accounts, from their accounts actually, a high ratings getter for itself in the show Barbecue Pitmasters. It spends zero money. Zero money on it. No overall champion. Weak. $2,000 for a winner of each episode, which we just learned was like coming out of Myron Mixon's pocket. They had zero prize money for the show. What? Give me a break. I mean, no big name sponsor ponying up for some real cash for these teams to get after. Look, I understand that being on TV can help with the bottom line, especially for some of these teams that own restaurants. Like two of out of the three had restaurants. But just like Ernest, you know, and Myron for that matter, which I hate to say, I want to get paid, son. And maybe I'm nitpicking here just a little bit. But if you read the show info provided by your cable provider, so, you know, when you find it on the TV, you know, it should have a little write-up. If you go to that info provided by your cable company, (laughs) anybody else see this? Sorry. Kevin Roberts' name. Wait, sorry. Kevin Roberts' name shows up as being in the show. So after I crapped my pants because I thought they brought back this guy to host the show for the new season, I shot John Marcus a quick text message to confirm, and he quickly dismissed the fact that he was going to be on the show. Uh, But the overriding factor here is that Destination America doesn't even give a crap enough or a thought enough about changing the promo write-up for their new season premiere. This thing on, hey, executives over at Destination America, drop the $5.78 on the rewrite and submit the damn thing again. (laughs) Do you have any idea how many people might have thought about not watching the premiere if they thought Kevin Roberts was hosting again? Holy vey. Yeah, I know how many. At least one. Me. Egads. Can you imagine that guy back on the show? Instant chat feedback right here. If Kevin Roberts is back uh, hosting on the show, you guys tuning in or you're tuning out? Holy crap. Maybe it's just the overriding factor that I just don't like that style of show. Don't ever get that confused with the fact that I don't like who's on the show. I love I love everybody on the show. If it's, if it's barbecue, I'm about it. I like it. If it's on TV, it's good, but the format of the show sucks. Don't think that I'm sitting here talking tough and that I haven't told John Marcus on several interviews that he's been on this show that the style and the format of the show sucks, because I have. The show that will win, the show that will win the people and the fame and the adulation over is the one that I constantly pitch to him and that no other production company seems to want to take into account, latch on to one barbecue team or two and follow them the F around. They do 25, 30, 35 competitions a year. That's obviously where the focus of the show is going to be. But why is Deadliest Catch so exciting? 
Why is Bigfoot so exciting? Why is Duck Dynasty so exciting? It's not because they make stupid duck calls, because those tards on duck, on Bigfoot are trying to find a freaking Bigfoot, because we all know there's no Bigfoot. Or the guys on Davis Cup, they fish. They're fishing every day. It's because over time, now you've become invested in the people, the deckhands, the kooks trying to find Bigfoot, uh, the rednecks making duck calls. That's that that could be a new barbecue that could be the most popular barbecue show on earth that's what what season 1 was in essence and that needs to be done it needs to be done it can be a hit but no prize money for a chopped knockoff for barbecue pitmasters quite frankly sir insults my intelligence come on we're smarter than that uh on the show next week Best of Barbecue 2012 Roundtable, or 2012, depending on what you say. Uh, also, Gary and Dion Lanton from Holy Smokes Barbecue will be on, talking about their appearance on Pitmasters. Uh, January 2nd, Yields, a very popular guest. Rod Gray from Pellet Envy kicking off the new year in style. We'll be talking about you know his new barbecue sauce and rub. Uh, he'll have been on Pitmasters at that point, so that's going to be fun and fabulous. Uh, be sure to tune in. Uh, again, those will be shows on Wednesday, next Tuesday, and the following uh, next show next week, Wednesday the twenty sixth, and then the following week, Wednesday the second of January, the New Year twenty thirteen, two thousand thirteen. You name it, guys. Alaska Frontier, Swamp People, you name it. You like the people. You like the people. Trust me, there's somebody compelling enough on the competition scene, or two people. That would make that show happen, and that would be the best barbecue show that ever landed. You'd go on for seasons. You'd have money out the yin-yang. You tell me Kingsford doesn't want to get on top of that? Give me a break. All right. Uh, coming straight back, we have your chance to win the Barbecuers Light Super Smoker Pack. Let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsor of the show, the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania. If you're not familiar with how automatic pit temperature control devices work, you know, I'm not going to get into the minutia, but imagine a product that lets you set your pit temperature and once it's set, it keeps it running at that set temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. It's real-life technology. You could probably get it for Christmas still if you wanted to. And it's available today. Now, maybe you're a busy working professional, or perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids, or maybe you're a... Uh, professor at a college. You also work as a outpatient therapist at two other different places in your full-time mother. You don't have time to sit there and tend pit temperatures. No, you're way too busy for that. That's where the barbecue guru allows you to throw a pork butt or a couple slabs of rib or a brisket on. Then you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done and the guru has your back when it comes to pit temperature. There's a number of models to choose from depending on your budget depending on your level of geekdom. And look, it is smartphone technology. It's tablet technology. It's Wi-Fi technology. It's a CyberQ Wi-Fi. It's the best thing that's happened to automatic pit temperature control devices in the last 15 years. I don't even think they've been around that long. But if you have connection to Wi-Fi through any of those various channels that I just mentioned, uh, you don't even have to get out of bed anymore to check your pit temperature or your meats. You can log on. You can see where your pit's at. If you're cooking fast or you're slow, you can ramp up or ramp down, depending on where you're at. You can see your internal temperatures of meats up to three. <laughs> Forget about it. 
Of course, they do have that Onyx oven as well. It's been winning on the competition circuit as well as in backyards all over the country. Fully insulated, holds a lot of meat, accommodates the half and full pans for catering. Do yourself a favor. Go to thebbqguru.com or give them a call, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. And get hooked up with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. TheBBQGuru.com or 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru is a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We'll come back with your chance to win Super Smoker Pack from Barbecuers Delight. Stick around. We'll be right back. The Barbecuers Light Super Smoker Pack is up for your winning pleasure. Again, uh, Don Hopkins won the Killer Hogs Barbecue Sauce. The Barbecue Smokers Pack includes four one-pound individually wrapped woods. I believe it's a mesquite, hickory, apple, and cherry. Don't hold me to that. But you also get the cast iron pot. You know, when I do the barbecuers of light read, I always say, hey, if you don't have the wood pellet fired thing, you know, get the cast iron pot option, right? Yeah, I'd say that. It comes with it. Also an autograph book about a barbecue pellet cookbook or something. So if you want to win the barbecuers of light super smoker pack, uh, A, you could not be from Canada. Only Americans can win. I was chastised last week about that. Look, it it's, costs a lot of money to ship up to Canada. Canadians, no offense. You're just expensive to ship to. So if you want to win, A, you have to be American. And in the subject line of the email you're about to construct, you have to put Ted's BBQ World on Twitter. Ted's BBQ World on Twitter for your chance to win the Barbecuers Light Super Smoker Pack. Good luck. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we're back. Uh, Ted is traveling. So as much as I hate to do this, I got to make the phone ring. Where is he at? There we go. And we'll just wait here. Hmm. There we go. Here we go. Hello? Damn it. What hell just happened there? Try it again. Boom. Good evening. Happy holidays on the Chicago Marriott downtown on the Magnificent Mile. How may I assist you? Room 1005, please. Ted Reader. 1105? I'm sorry? Sir, sir, may I have the last name of the guest? Yeah, Reader. R-E-A-D-E-R. 
It's uh, room 1005. Yes, sir. Let me connect you. It's actually a different number, but let me connect you. Did that lady just tell me I was wrong? F you. Tell me I'm wrong, lady. Yellow. Teddy! Greg, how you doing? All right, Ted, look, I have to give you the proper introduction before we go any farther. I apologize. Let me pull back. My first guest in the second hour, a show favorite, penned any number of barbecue and grilling cookbooks, owns the world record for the biggest burger ever cooked, and then, of course, eaten, has a very successful line of rubs, sauces, widely considered to be the plank master, and, of course, a regular contributor to here on the show. Let's go ahead and race over the hotline as we welcome back Ted Reeder to the show. Now we can do it. Teddy! Good to be here, Greg. <laughs> All right, Ted. Um, so before we get into the subject matter tonight, uh, you know, you travel quite a bit. Obviously, I uh, had to get to the front desk tonight to get to you. Uh, where are we finding you this fine evening? Well, tonight I'm in. Uh, I'm back in one of my favorite cities in the United States, uh, Chicago, and just finished up a dinner over at a new barbecue restaurant here in Chicago called Bub City Barbecue. It's owned by the RPM Group uh, or the Melman Group, the Let Us Entertain You Group. And Bub City actually, I think, started as a barbecue joint probably over 15 years ago here in the uh, Chicago land area and then closed up and uh, has reopened, reemerged with uh, a great chef named uh, Doug Saltis and. Uh, a lot of fun there tonight. Had some uh, good laughs, great uh, service, tasty treats coming out of the kitchen, um, some icy cold beverages, some sweet tasting bourbon going down my gullet. <laughs> I tell you, I had a fantastic time. And I always love coming to Chicago because it is a, a, a city that's after my own heart based upon love and food and, and having a good time. You know, Ted, because you've been there so often, because you're doing business out there, I mean, you do have that kind of insiders or, or a unique perspective on the city. You know, if I was going to tell you I was going to be going over for the weekend, are, are there two or three places right off the top of your head that you would tell me I would have to hit no matter what? Yeah, one, you have to pick a steakhouse because steakhouses are uh, – are the best part about Chicago, or one of the best parts about Chicago. And so I've never had a bad steak in the city, and I've been to over 30 different steakhouses in Chicago. And it doesn't matter if you're going to Gene and Giorgetti's or Chicago Chop House, or you're going to Shula's, or you're going to Kinsey or Kiefer's or Harry Carey's. Uh, there are so many. Make sure, you, one, you get steak on your, on your menu. Number two, um, <clears throat> I love Stephanie Izzard, Chef Stephanie Izzard, uh, one of the top chef uh, competitors back on Food Network in the beginning stages of Top Chef. Her restaurant here, Girl and the Goat, is a lot of fun. Another uh, restaurant that I love is called Publican, where they're doing all kinds of uh, pork-based items and beer-flowing Flowing from the taps like no other place in this city, uh, it's a lot of fun. And then really, uh, my favorite snack time place is called Hot Dugs. 
which is a hot dog joint where every day he makes a unique and different hot dog. Oh. Some might be topped with foie gras, some might be topped with, topped with crawfish, and it's just a great place to go. So this is a serious, serious food town. New York is serious, but Chicago, people love their food here. They, they frolic when it comes to restaurants. Ted Reader joining me here on the show. If you want to learn a little bit more about him, tedreader.com is the website. You can follow him on uh, on the Twitter, Ted's BBQ World, if you want to follow him there. You know, we've discussed it briefly a few times on the show here, Teddy. Uh, and most of the people know you from here on the show, a guy who planks pretty much everything and anything there is in sight, a guy who's barbecue and grilling and everything in sight. Uh, but there's a business side to that Ted Reader barbecue empire as well. You know, when you're down in Chicago or when you're in some other city, what what other things are you into that are related to barbecue business-wise? Well, I uh, one part of my business is retail and food service product development. So I help manufacturers develop and food processors, de- processors develop uh, further processed food items. So one of my clients here in Chicago is a company called Rupari, and they cook probably 60 million pounds of ribs a year. Wow. And a lot of them uh, are based, are formulations that that are based upon my recipes and developments for them. But they cook for everybody in food service and retail from Costco to Walmart to, to different restaurant chains throughout North America. And our business here at Rupari is based upon ribs. It's ribs. We cook a lot of ribs. And we naturally smoke them. We hardwood smoke them. We we log burn them uh, with hickory and oak and a variety of different woods, depending on the formulation. We create signature rubs for each rack of rib that we're going to do for the particular customer. And then it's the sauce that we put on those fully cooked wraps that go those ribs that go go out the door. And it's a lot of fun. But I work with a number of different companies from the seafood world to the poultry world, and uh, from organic to not organic. And it's just, for me, the the development of food items is just a lot of fun. Uh, I love to create new recipes that I can share with people. And and I don't have a restaurant in Toronto. I have a catering company in in my hometown. But for me, it's being able to feed millions of people fun food and enjoy and barbecue there's nothing more fun than barbecue whether it be grilled or it be smoked it's a life that's pretty tasty and you can sit back and you can pull that bone cleanly from a rack of ribs or you can grill off a steak or you can have yourself some shrimp that's been grilled or a burger as simple as it can be or a hot dog as long as it makes your mouth water that's a delicious delicious piece of food and that's what life's about. We get one chance to live here, and we have a short time, and we might as well, with all the crap and all the shit that goes on in this world, I, I look at it as if you can sit around a table with your friends and family, and you can share a meal, and you can say, you know what, none of that other shit matters. What matters is my friends and my family and the food that we're eating and the time that we spend together. That's what life's about. It's a, for me, it's a, it's a good time every day. Ted, I don't want to bring you down because you're on a roll. Uh, Thank you. But uh, in case you didn't know, Friday we all die. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I have a philosophy about it Friday that we all die. <laughs> I don't give a shit because the bottom line is, you know what? The Mayans were around a long, long time ago, and they may have some insight that we don't have. But what they didn't have back then was bourbon and beer. Yes. And we have that now. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as we have bourbon and beer, life will go on. Absolutely. And and who better to end my life and show with than Ted Rader three days removed from everybody losing their life? I mean, it couldn't be any better than that. Now, look, Thank you. Ted, we've discussed, uh, or I'm sorry, we're going to get into prime rib here in just a little bit. But, uh, you know, we have Christmas pretty much a week, well, exactly a week away. If I was going to be sitting down at the Reader compound for Christmas, what would I see on the table? Is it a traditional layout year after year? Does it change year to year? Give us a little sneak peek. Well, you know, when, when I was growing up, I used to look at my, and I have to, I have to talk about my dad because um, my dad's no longer with us and it's coming on three years. And, and, and as a chef, and my dad wasn't a chef, he was a chemical engineer and he was a pretty smart guy. He had more brains than I ever have or ever will have. And, and I thought, you know, growing up, man, I bet you I could, as a chef, I could make a better Christmas dinner. And I've come to realize that, you know, my dad made a pretty damn good Christmas dinner. And since his passing, I kind of take on the things that he made. And I love those traditions that he created. And so for us around the Christmas table, it might not be a turkey because I'm, I'm not a big, I like turkey, but I much prefer a capon because they're just a little fattier, they're just a little juicier, and they're just a little bit more succulent. And so around our table this Christmas, we're going to have a cape on, and it will be stuffed with a stuffing that my dad would make, which was simple day-old white, white bread that's been dried. He mixed it with uh, Newfoundland, because he's a Newfie, Newfoundland savory, onions, celery, a little bit of garlic, lots of butter, and a little bit of warm milk. And he'd mix that together, and he'd stuff that in the bird, and he would roast that bird off. And my, my dad always did it in the oven, and I've brought in the world of barbecue and smoking and grilling, and I'll cook mine outdoors. Uh, but the thing that we do that's really my dad is corned beef. My dad loved corned beef. And growing up, he always had corned beef with his turkey. And so, and I grew up having corned beef with every meal and all the vegetables cooked in the corned beef water in the broth that he hmm. cooked that and boiled that corned beef in. And so I've, I've kind of adapted his methods and, and taken it on and trying to share that with my kids and with my family because they're memories that I love and those memories in life I think are really, really important. Um, it's not about making it better. It's about the, the family and the traditions and being able to share those with your kids and, and, your, and the rest of your family and say, hey, this is what life is about. It's about having that wonderful tastiness and, and carrying those, those traditions along. My mom this year, she's one of my favorite things that she always makes are these peanut butter balls. And they're peanut butter and whipped with Rice Krispies, and they're made into a ball and dipped in chocolate. And this year I said, Mom, could you switch it up a bit and add a little bit of bourbon into that? And she oh. said, no. Oh, And I said, then I'm bringing the injection needle and the bourbon, and I'm going <laughs> to inject it. 
so that I can have them my way. But those are the things that I love, and, and I can't wait. You know, my, I have young little kids. They're five and six, and I can't wait to, sh- wait to share those experiences with them and watch them grow, and hopefully they'll pick up and, and create, create their own along the way. Ted Reader joining me here on the show, tedreader.com is his website. Uh, you know, Ted, we are, as we'd said before, you know, a week away from Christmas. Obviously, a lot of people tend to trend towards the prime rib at this point. Uh, some people do turkey, some people do ham, whatever, but prime rib seems to be the overwhelming favorite for Christmas. You know, on the surface, Ted, where do you rate this amongst the cuts of bovine? Is it great? Is it average? Is it overhyped? What do you think? Oh, I love prime rib. I, uh, my wife and I were recently out for dinner, and, and, and she said, let's go to this local steakhouse near our house. And, and I said, yeah. And she said, what are you going to have? I said, I'm going to have their prime rib because that's what they're known for is their prime rib. And I, I love prime rib, one, because it has a lot of fat. And as you know, I love fat, and fat is flavor. You cut me up, I am one delicious mofo, okay? That's the way it is. Skinny little bastard's got nothing on this big dude. And, and I love that, where the, the internal fat starts to render and self-base that prime rib. And I like to sear my, I love to do it on the rotisserie, low and slow and just let it spin and let it cook and come up to a nice rare and then I wrap it. And what I wrap it in is I first put a layer of tinfoil over top of the, of the prime rib when it hits about 135 degrees internal. And then I take, and I learned this from my dad, is I take a, a kitchen towel and I dip it in hot, hot, hot water and squeeze out the water, but this towel's now warm. And if you want, you can pop it in the microwave for about 45 to 50 seconds and get it even hotter. And I wrap that over top of the aluminum foil over top of the prime rib. Mm-hmm. And then I lay on about three or four more layers of kitchen towels. And that keeps that prime rib warm. And let it rest for a good 15 minutes to 30 minutes, and it'll come up to a nice medium rare. Just rest and sit there nice and easy. And I use lots of on my rub on the outside. I use salt, pepper, and fresh garlic. Tons of it. Lathered on there. And then I cut that prime rib about inch and a half thick. Throw it on a very, very hot grill over hot coals. Sear it, you know, 30 seconds aside just to seal it all in. And then sit back, put some extra hot horseradish down and some mashed potatoes, pull out that corned beef, boiled cabbage and carrots and turnips like my dad used to do, and prime rib is wicked. And we're actually doing that on Boxing Day. I've got some friends coming over, and that's what our dinner is on Boxing Day this year. Now, uh, I talked some prime rib with Meathead Goldwyn, who's uh, coincidentally in Chicago, by the way. And uh, we talked last week, two segments, it was crazy. And I drew a correlation, Ted, between Thanksgiving and Turkey and this anticipation of it and how that relates to the stresses on the cook. Now they're under this pressure that they can't screw up the turkey. Likewise, a similar pressure is placed on the cook a month later with that prime rib because, hey, it's a lot of freaking money to screw up the prime rib, especially when we're doing it cost per pound when compared to the turkey. Yeah, you could be spending 
for a whole prime rib, you can spend a hundred to, oh. to two hundred and fifty bucks. No doubt, the seven boner is going to be you know upwards of two hundred bucks. No doubt about it. Can you list out some have to dos with this cut to make sure that we give ourselves the best chance of success? Number one is find yourself a butcher that's going to give you a quality prime rib. One, you want to have a prime rib that's got a bit of age on it. Uh, a minimum, minimum would be two weeks in in my book, but I would much prefer three to four weeks of age on it because then I know it's going to be mouth-watering and succulent. You want to have a heavy bit of marbling, that internal fat in the meat, because that's going to also produce the the flavor and the succulents that you need. I like to, when I do it, and I do my prime rib on the rotisserie, and I would say that, you know, if I do five prime ribs a year, I do four of them on the rotisserie. And I sear that prime rib first on the rotisserie at about 450 degrees to get a nice seal on the outside. And then I turn it down to about 350, 375, and I put a drip pan underneath, and I baste it with melted butter, fresh rosemary, and garlic. And if you want to add some beer into that mixture, you can do that, just to keep it moist as it spins. Patience is the key to this prime rib. Don't try and rush it. But the most important kitchen tool you need is an internal thermometer. You want to be able to look at it and test that that, that meat temperature. The, the one thing about prime rib is if you make it well done and you've taken it too far along to 160 degrees, even 170 degrees oh internal, Lord. one thing about prime rib is that it has enough internal fat that will help you keep it nice and moist. But for me, there's nothing better than a medium-rare prime rib, yeah. 140 degrees internal temperature. And that is the key. But the most important, after it's all said and done and you've cooked it and it's sitting there and it's looking brilliant, don't cut into it. Wait 10 to 15 minutes. Let it rest. Let it suck up and absorb all those internal juices and fats so that when you cut it, it stays inside. There's not a lot of, a, a lot of technique that you need to learn about this. It's about patience and just let it go and have a really great thermometer. For me, I love a thermopen. You put that in, it gives you that instant read, and you know where you're at, and you can go on to, to, to the next step of getting ready to eat. Ted, we're not snobs here on the show, and my listeners Far aren't snobs. The, the centralites, of course not. Do you have a, a wine suggestion as well with this kind of a cut of beef? Well, I have a problem is that I'm allergic to wine. What? Yeah, yeah. Ted Reader is, is allergic, and red wine does, like, I can drink a bottle of bourbon like no tomorrow and suck back a 2 for a brew, and I'm still going. <laughs> Give me an ounce of red wine, and you will not see me for three to four oh, days. Oh, no. Um, but for me... Um, I like, I like, and, and, I, and I have to go back probably five years to the last glass of red wine I drank, which was in, which was in Italy. And, uh, it wasn't, uh, a super Tuscan. It was a Chianti. Yep. And I had this wood burning pizza oven and I had a veal roast and it was just a three bone, uh, like a prime rib, but it was veal and it was, but it was three bones. It weighed about three pounds 
and I cooked that in this pizza oven, and I just remember sitting there, and it was porcini mushroom season, and for me, it was the Chianti that just, it was unbelievable. And then I was sick for three days because I'm allergic <laughs> to the wine. <laughs> well, you know. And so, for me, the perfect mix is bourbon and beer, because those are my two favorite things in life. But All right, look, Ted, I... <laughs> I'm going to diverge off the last couple of questions I want to ask because you've brought it up a number of times. And, you know, bourbon is a drink that is very close to my heart way back in the early 2000s when I was just a young fuckface. And I was going to the Mid-American Heavy-Duty Truck Show in Louisville, Kentucky. I was partnered with a guest out of Cincinnati, and we were both doing the show together. And he started drinking this bourbon, and I had never seen it before, never knew it. You know, I was just a young guy. I said, what is this you're drinking? He's got me into this bourbon. And now years removed, it's one of my favorite drinks ever. So, A, what's your favorite bourbon? And, B, how do you take your bourbon? Okay, I'm, uh, I, like, I like my bourbon, first off, I like it at room temperature. Yes. And I like it straight up. Yes. Neat, out of the bottle. I like it in a shot glass more than a rock glass. Um, so about an, inch, an ounce and a half to two ounces worth of liquor. I like to drink it fast. I like to drink it hard and, uh, and throw it back. My favorite bourbons uh, vary. Um, right now I'm drinking a lot of Jim Beam Black. Wow. And I, I've always said that I'm a Tennessee whiskey guy. I love Jack Daniels, and I do love Jack Daniels. But... I was drinking bourbon before I was drinking Jack, and I love Jack, but I, I have to go back to the roots that I like that heavy-duty amount of corn that comes from bourbon. Yep. And I like the blends because in bourbon, they, they, they mix in others. They mix in the rye. They mix in the wheat sometimes, and you get different levels, and you get different strengths. Tonight, I was drinking an Elijah Craig 12-year-old. Yep. Um, and I like my favorite all-time bourbon has been the Elijah Craig 18-year-old, and now they have a 20-year-old out there, and I'm like, okay, oh. now you've completely confused me. <laughs> um, I love Maker's Mark. Yeah. Uh, but I've had so many over the years that, that, that my favorite moonshine is the Maker's Mark White Dog, which is before it hits the barrel, and it's just pure white bourbon and that stuff will set you on your ass <laughs> it's delicious um I, I i love to have a bourbon manhattan every once in a while but around casa barbecue for me it's grab a bottle of bourbon pour it into a shot glass throw it back wash it down if you must with a little sip of cold beer never but really i'm i'm strictly i'm a i'm a hardcore bourbon good drinker and that's how I like it yeah and uh, you know it's, it's it's kind of fun every time I drive through Kentucky uh, I look at my wife as we're driving through it I say you know you're lucky we're not driving by a distillery at the moment because I'd be <laughs> wanting to pull over and having a few cocktails and then you're driving all the way through to Georgia <laughs> there you go now look for me it's a uh, Riedel bourbon glass Riedel actually makes a bourbon drinking glass yeah it's neat obviously uh, sometimes if I'm feeling a little weird, it's one ice cube, but never more than that. Uh, everyday drinking is Maker's Mark. Uh, if I have a few bucks in my pocket, it's Baker's Bourbon, which is always 107 proof. 
Yeah. And then if I'm going to go a little crazy uh, or if I'm having a little party and I know, like, if you were coming, I would buy a bottle of Booker's bourbon, unfiltered, always between 124 and 127 proof, knock you on your ass, delicious but hot. That's I'm my coming f- to your house yeah. soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm coming. I'm it, coming over. It's got to happen. Uh, we're talking with Ted Reader. You can find him tedreader.com. Uh, Ted, always appreciate the time. Uh, happy holidays, and we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you very much. Happy holidays to everybody out there. And just remember, if you're smoking it low and slow, if you're grilling it, you can go hot and fast. But remember, always, always. keep your bourbon liquid, keep your beers cold, and have fun with life because we get one shot at living, and you might as well make it great every day. Happy holidays, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you in 2013. You got it. There he is. Teddy. Get out of here. One of these days I'm going to do two. Uh, Ted's just got to come to the show, I think, is pretty much what we've uh, surmised. Ted's got to come to the show. Can you can you possibly imagine the show that would take place if Ted was sitting in the guest chair right here and we were downing bourbon? <laughs> yeah, that would be the best show ever. Uh, barbecues are like wood pellets. Uh, just the finest makers of uh, wood pellets, pretty much. BBQRSDelight.com. That's BBQRSDelight.com. Uh, straight ahead, your chance to win meat rakes. And then it's Malcolm Reed. Stick around, we'll be right back. Your chance to win meat rakes right now. Your fat little fingers are on the keyboard, ready to put in the subject line this. Killer Hogs BBQ. Killer Hogs BBQ. Put it in there. Killer Hogs BBQ. Meat rakes. Your chance to win it. Good luck. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, we are back. 877-448-0433. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Those are the two ways to get in touch with the show. Thanks to uh, Ted Reader for joining me. Coming out of the bullpen tonight, help me close this thing strong as a frequent contributor to the show. Pitmaster of a very successful Killer Hogs barbecue competition cooking team. Also the author of the extremely popular How to BBQ Right blog. Let's race over the hotline and welcome back, probably for the last time in 2012, Malcolm Reed. Malcolm, how are you, buddy? I'm good, Greg. How's it going? Uh, absolutely fabulous, Malcolm. Always appreciate the time that you give to the show here. I uh, apologize. Uh, we had a little bit of a delay, but we were talking bourbon with uh, Ted Reader, and uh, quite frankly, bourbon is a weakness of mine, so I had to uh, indulge just a little bit. And That's a great topic. <laughs> you know, a few. are you a bourbon guy, Malcolm? Oh, man. Oh, way back. All right. Kick it to got me. me a lot of, got me in a lot of trouble. What, uh, if we go to the Killer Hogs compound, what kind of bourbon am I drinking on any given Saturday night? 
Well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm kind of partial to my Jim Beam or a little Tennessee Jack Daniels. That's that's pretty much what you'll see. Absolutely. Although I, I did get turned on to Forty Creek from DivaQ in a contest here last year. It was pretty good stuff. Yeah, Forty Creek. Always very good. Now, a few different things tonight to cover here, Malcolm. So let's go ahead and uh, start with this topic that you hit on uh, your blog a few weeks back. And, and really, pound for pound, one of my favorite cuts of meat, but especially um, but especially in the pork, which is pork tenderloin. And in my estimation, Malcolm, by and large, probably one of the most underrated, overlooked cuts of the hog. And before we get into the how-tos, do you see it the same way as I do? Is it not as overlooked as I think it is? What do you think? Well, you know, that's, it, as far as barbecue competition goes, it is. And, um, you know, I grew up on eating pork loin. Uh, you know, my mother always cooked it and, you know, we we ate it fried and just pork chops and all that. But for barbecue, you know, it, it gets overlooked a lot of times. All right. Uh, so let's get into it here. And first off, you know, when we're going to the store, whether it be a big box store, whether it be your local grocery store or your butcher or whatever, what do you need to look for when you're buying a pork tenderloin? Well, you know, the tenderloin, they're usually sold um, two to three pounds is about the size you'll see of a true tenderloin. You know, a lot of just about every store is going to carry the the regular loin, which is, you know, like where the pork chop comes from or, you know, right alongside the hog. But the tenderloin, it's, it's a little bit more expensive cut of meat, but um, I look for it in a, in a little cryovac package, and that's usually how you'll see them. A lot of times they'll be double packed, and usually, you know, you're paying about eight bucks for a decent little little loin, but it's uh, really good on the grill. Absolutely. Now, how do you like to prep the tenderloins? Is it just a rub? Do you inject it? What's your method of choice here? Well, my favorite way to do it is um, trim off the little bit of silver skin. Sometimes it gets left on them because you want to get all that tough connective tissue off. But I like to go ahead and give them a brine or a marinade just to get some flavor inside them because, you know, they don't have any fat. So if you're adding some flavors on the front end with a, a, little, a little soak, it doesn't take long for a tenderloin. We're talking, you know, hour, two hours tops to really get some flavor in there. And then you can come back and hit it with your seasonings. Is it a brine of like a, a traditional saltwater type brine, or are you doing something a little bit more extravagant than that to add flavor profile? I like playing around with it a lot of times, Greg. Uh, well, um, one that I like to use is just some Worcestershire and soy sauce and then hit some molasses in there just to give it some sweet flavor. So you're kind of getting some of the salt from your Worcestershire and soy, but then you're putting your sugar back in, and it just penetrates the, the meat and gives it some good flavor. But I've also just, you know, went simple with kosher salt and brown sugar and made a brine that way. Malcolm Reed joining us here on the show. Uh, a couple of different websites to visit for him. Killerhogs.com, obviously, which is the competition team. And then howtobbqright.com, uh, which is uh, a great blog. You can also sign up for a newsletter, which is what I subscribe to as well. Uh, you know, Malcolm, there's a few different ways to cook tenderloins. You can grill it. You can smoke it. My cousin, Glenn, who actually kind of introduced me to this whole barbecue madness, which is you see what it's bastardized into, a friggin' internet radio show. He actually deep-fried tenderloins. How do you do it, and what do you think ultimately is the best way to do pork tenderloin? Well, I kind of, the way I'm doing them now, I kind of stole it from my, my wife's grandfather. Every Christmas or in holiday that we go to their house, he, uh, he cooks them on the grill. But what he does first, he kind of wraps them loosely and and put some of that marinade around them and then wraps them up a little bit and he gives them a head start and it, usually it's about 300 degrees for about 20 25 minutes and it starts the cooking process really getting 
the, the flavor started in that loin. And then at the end, he takes it off and kind of does a reverse sear on it to really get the outside, get the crust going on the outside and get some of those grill marks. And ever since I've had them like that, I mean, they're, they're cooked about 135 with a little carryover. And when you slice them, man, they'll just melt in your mouth. It's unbelievable. It's the best way to do a little pork tenderloin. You know, you talk about melt in your mouth and, you know, mouth feel. And here's what, um, here's what I found. Maybe you can either corroborate or tell me I'm uh, completely idiotic on this. But, you know, if you smoke or if you cook a pork tenderloin correctly, which is not until the 180s because trigonosis is not there anymore. You don't have to do that. Uh, and you cook a, a beef tenderloin or filet mignon. You know, given the fact that they're just going to inherently taste a little bit different in your mouth, but if you cook them correctly and you put one in your mouth and then the other in your mouth, to me, the the mouth feel and 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 I guess the associated flavors are almost one in the same. It, I, it's that silky texture, and that's really what it has because it's it's a muscle group that doesn't get used a whole lot of the animal. Uh, the animal that's why it's the tenderloin, and you know they do have similar feels, and that's. People that take them, you know, 165 or even upwards of 180 degrees, man, they're just bastardizing the thing because it, it totally takes all any moisture out and just basically turn it into jerky. So what type of uh, internal temperature are you looking for again on yours? I usually shoot for right at 135, and then it carries over after a rest because if you go ahead and if you start cutting it as soon as it comes off, just like any cut of meat that comes off the grill, you're going to lose that moisture. But if you let it come back, it'll carry over just a little bit, and it'll be a perfect um, right at – Medium to medium, it's not really medium rare, but it's you know right around medium range. All right, so talking about that medium rare, will you allow for a little pink in the middle? I mean, in my house, I want to say it doesn't fly or that I'm not pushing it. But, I mean, to me that tastes the best there, you know, and I'll cook it to like 135 or, as you said, 140 and maybe a little carry over there. But if there's a little pink in the middle, man, I'm good with that. What do you think? Well, you know, used to everybody was scared of pork and all that and saying because trichinosis and, and they wanted their pork well done. But that's all been, you know, proven wrong now. And the USDA actually came out earlier this, in 2012 and, and lowered their standards for pork. So yep. it's part, a little pink in pork is perfectly fine, especially in the tenderloin. Now, if we're talking sausage or something you've got like that, cook that stuff well done or hot dogs. But you don't, you know, a, a tenderloin, it's fine to say a little pink in it. Are you a thick slice tenderloin guy or are you a thin slice tenderloin guy? I'm, you know, I, I would say it's about a half inch slice. I want a piece of meat, you know, I want something that'll stick to the fork. I'm not I'm not trying to make a sandwich here. I want, you know, I want something that I can bite into. A lot of people will go to the prime rib for Christmas. And we talked to Ted Reader about that. We talked to Meathead Goldwyn uh, a week ago for two segments about that. Would this be a good alternative if you were looking for something a little bit outside the box for a Christmas dinner, pork tenderloin? Oh, it would be great. You just you better figure one per person because like, <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you they're gonna be, they're gonna go fast. All right, so you know, let's switch gears here a little bit, Malcolm. You know, over the past four years or so, and I'm sorry, we've been talking with uh, Malcolm Reed from Killer Hogs, uh, KillerHogs.com, and of course, uh, his blog slash newsletter, HowToBBQRight.com. You know, over the past four years, we've seen this huge increase in competition cooking classes, typically ranging you know, anywhere from 450 bucks, uh, some all the way up to $750 a person. 
These are focusing on recipes, actual pitmaster techniques, really doing a competition for the class to see and ask questions about as it's happening. Uh, all in hopes uh, for the attendees, of course, being able to apply and hopefully win sooner than later. You know, on the whole, Malcolm, what are your thoughts about these classes in general? We, you know, um, I think they're great from a cook standpoint. And you know, if there would have been some around when I started, I would have loved to have spent the money and went to a class, but there just wasn't anything like that. But now, you know, for people that are interested in competition cooking or maybe stuck, you can spend the money that you would spend on a weekend go to somebody's class and pick up on a few things. And, you know, you might, you're not going to do exactly what they do, but it just gets you thinking differently. And I think it's just it's a big help. Would you venture a guess on what percentage of the classes, you know, really want – some of these guys are, are, are kind of billing it as wanting to help other teams, let's say. So would you venture a guess on the percentage of classes that really want to help other teams and, and which classes are really looking to just do like a straight cash grab? Uh, you know, I would have to say that the majority of everybody's, if you're putting your name out there on a class, you're wanting whoever takes it to do well because once your reputation gets ruined that, you know, what you're, that you're not helping people out or, or what, what you're doing is bogus, I mean, it's just going to ruin you. So uh, for me, I mean, I would want anybody that I've, that I've gave some help to, Man, I want to see them bringing home checks and stacking up the trophies because that just, you know, it, it just adds to what I'm doing. Maybe I didn't ask the question correctly the first time, so let me just double back uh, just to see. I mean, you want to see people do well. You want to see people get the checks that are taking your class, um, whoever that may be. Are people looking for that first and foremost, or do they want the money? And because they're winning, their stuff should somehow transition over into them doing a little bit better that following weekend or a month or, or two months later? Well, you know, I, I mean, they're, they're wanting to do, they're wanting to win. I mean, you're wanting to train, you're wanting to see that transition and that's why you would take a class too. So, I mean, for me, I mean, if I ever went out to take somebody's class, which, you know, I do, I, I go to people's classes too and because it just gets me thinking, you know, and that's, and that's, that's why we do it. So if somebody's asking you, hey, Malcolm, I want to take a class, uh, you know, what advice do you give them as far as what they should look into as far as what class they're going to be taking? Well, I would I would look for, you know, someone that's cooking um, a similar style that's kind of close to what you want to do. Um, and, you know, if, if you're wanting to concentrate on, you know, say cooking on backwood smokers or or cooking on a stick burner or something like that. You got to you got to look for someone that's offering something that's going to help the way you're cooking, unless you're planning on just totally changing what you're doing. All right, so I, I guess you know ultimately is is Killer Hogs uh, a team, or you or, or your team? You guys doing classes as well? Yeah, we've actually we're actually doing a class here next month. Next month? Yes, sir. All right. Great. This kind of dovetails nicely into the conversation. <laughs> I didn't know that we were actually going to be going down there. But uh, so, you know, if somebody was interested in, you know, taking a Killer Hogs class, what can somebody expect and, and what are you looking at price tag wise? Well, you know, with our class, this one, we've, we've teamed up with uh, another pit master from the NBN and from Memphis and May, Mark Lambert. And we're kind of, we're tackling the KCBS side of things. And Mark's going to, you know, do some of the NBN stuff. And we're doing a, a big, giant combined class where we'll cover you know all four entries in kcbs we're going to cover the whole hall we're going to cover shoulders and 
and ribs, kind of Memphis and May style. And then we're also going to talk about some of our experiences with the business side of things, like the way we've developed our rubs and our sauces and, you know, dealing with co-packers and marketing, building a brand for yourself. If you're, you know, if you're wanting to turn this into some kind of business or you just want to attract some sponsors, we're, we're going to help people out and just give them some insight on what we've done to, you know, kind of go through there. And, and, and I think it's really going to, really going to improve some people's, you know, competitive side of what they're doing. What are you looking at price tag wise for a class, Malcolm? Um, ours is for an individual at 700 and then we've got a spouse thing going for a thousand. And then if you sign up multiple seats, we're doing a hundred dollar discount, um, on the price tag too, for each seat. So where can you go to sign up for it? Um, we're at barbecue live.com. It's B A R B E C U E L I V E.com. Or you can go to how to bar, how to or killerhogs.com. You can get it through all my websites. All right. And of course you can get the, uh, sauce that we've been giving away, which ends tonight, uh, that killer hog sauce, which can be found at killerhogs.com as well. And then you click on the store link and buy that as well. Man, it is honestly, it's pretty fucking good, man. <laughs> I appreciate it, Greg. Man, I've had nothing but good things from it. You know, I get a lot of feedback, and it's it's all been positive. And you know, we worked hard to get a sauce that was up to our standard. That you know, really, it just keeps me from having to make sauce on a Monday, getting ready for a contest. <laughs> now I can go to my garage and pack a few bottles in a tote, and I'm ready to go instead of standing at the stove for three hours every week. Yeah, nice and easy for you. Just pack up a couple bottles, and, and then you're off to the competition. Malcolm Reed is the pit master of Killer Hogs Barbecue Team. He also writes the blog, howtobbqwrite.com. Malcolm, always appreciate the time for the show, man. Thanks for coming on tonight. Oh, anytime, Greg. Have a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, man. You too. There he is. Malcolm Reed, Killer Hogs, How to BBQ Right. Man, great conversation with him as well. Great show tonight. Thank you. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll go ahead and uh, pat myself on the back. You got it. All right, uh, we got to wrap up very quickly. All the way back in the first hour, Ernest Cervantes, Burnt Bean Company. He came on. We talked about uh, Barbecue Pitmasters, the premiere episode of season four. Then Candy Weaver, who is running for re-election for KCBS. In the second hour, we had Ted Reeder talking about prime rib and bourbon and a bunch of other great stuff. And then Malcolm Reed. Pork tenderloin, bourbon as well, and barbecue classes, which he has some. 700 bucks to get in his class, 1000 for your wife to show up, and in multiple seats, minus $100. Uh, BarbecueLive.com. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Newton, Connecticut. Not going to forget that either. We'll see you next Wednesday, folks. Take care.